holy guacamole, you guys. This is episode number 50. Wow. I can't even believe that. That's crazy. (laughs) And I have 60 recorded. So if I get hit by a bus, there's still 10 more coming at you. I know you're super excited. But thank you guys for being along for the ride. It's been an amazing journey getting to know all these people that I'm interviewing and making connections. I've got 25 additional episodes scheduled. So 10 more coming at you, 25 scheduled. I'm going to be at 100 before you know it. So it's looking to be a great 2018. So I'm super excited about that. If you will, go to iTunes and give me a rating, subscribe to it. That allows me to tell these amazing guests, hey, we've got this number of subscribers and people love it and people are listening. And so it helps me get these amazing guests that you guys are getting very accustomed to listening to, if I do say so myself. Such cool people. So thank you all again for being a part of the Same 24 Hours podcast. And here's to a great 2018. Today's guest is Jason Jacksetic, who is the lifestyle brand manager for the Spartan races. So he is so much fun. We had a great time chatting. I think I've got to throw my hat in the ring for one of these smaller ones, um, shorter distance, of course, but I think it would be really fun, you guys. So I'm looking forward to maybe thinking about that. So hope you enjoyed this chat with Jason and think about maybe running in the woods for a little bit <laughs> with your sandbag named Leonard or Bob. More on that. Hope you guys enjoy the show. Welcome to the Same 24 Hours Podcast with Meredith Atwood. We all have the same 24 hours each day, and it's what we do with those hours that makes all the difference between our health, happiness, and success. the same 24 hours podcast. I am your host, Meredith Atwood. Today's guest is Jason Jacksetic with Spartan Races. So welcome, Jason. How's it going? It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Awesome to talk to you. I'm so excited to talk about all things Spartan and just how you got involved in this and how we clumsy people can do a Spartan race in 2018. (laughs) Yes, yes, that 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 would be that would be what I'd like to convey is that no matter how clumsy you are, you're probably not as clumsy as me, and therefore you could definitely do a Spartan race because I've done a lot. I don't know, I'm pretty clumsy, man, but we'll we'll get to that for sure. So, how did you get involved in, in this type of endurance event? And let's talk a little bit about what Spartan is. Yeah, yeah. So, so about I guess maybe 12 years ago, uh, I found myself kind of doing a marathon randomly, you know, where you, you didn't really know what you were doing, but you kind of got signed up for it. And, and you know, what happened when I started running, because I was a very non-athletic person, uh, it just, it really was a positive experience for me. And that, you know, like a lot of people, a 5K turns into a 10K, turns to a marathon, and I was doing Ironman within a year. <laughs> yeah, I don't know right? what you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but why does that happen to us (laughs) it it just you know and and it was it was a it was it was a great thing and and i i was a completely devoted iron man triathlete uh in my 20s in my early 20s and i did a bunch of iron man and i got to to do kona i went to the world championships as an amateur at 24 year old And, and like i i did it and then then what happened was i got i got injured uh pretty bad 
<clears throat> I broke. I, I cracked my hip a little bit. Oh, uh, how does one crack uh, one's hip a little bit? Yeah, and, and uh, I, I really what happened was I, I ran myself into the ground. I just uh, yeah. ran until I and I needed to take a break uh, from competing, and and I felt really lost because a big part of my identity. And I took a break by uh, I traveled to Africa, specifically Swaziland. Where where I I just laid I laid low with my friend who was in the Peace Corps. I lived in a hut and I and I got back to basics. Wow. And, and and what happened was I went from this world of where I wouldn't go for a bike ride unless I was on my fancy very expensive bike, and I wouldn't go for a run unless I had all my fancy Lycra, you know. Right. And and sport to me was this really. It was really kind of. You know, it was very fabricated. It was very high end and, and specialized. And suddenly, I, I got to hang out with people where the whole town shared a mountain bike. You know, and they ran to school every morning in jean shorts. And I was like, God, these people are. are I mean, like, it was just so much more real way of of fitness. And and it was when I when I came back from that trip that I I randomly through a serendipitous event met the founder of who was founding Spartan Race. Uh, we both lost our passports on the same plane. Oh, wow. Uh, and I found his. <laughs> and, and, and I was coming back with this fresh look, and I wanted to run. I wanted to, to be physical. I wanted to do everything that I did with Iron Man. But I, I wanted to do it in a more primitive, basic way that was available to everyone that felt a little more human. And, and that was about seven years ago when I met Joe DeSena, who, who, who was the founder and was the CEO of Spartan Race, and we, we connected, and he said, come live in my barn in Vermont. And so <laughs> I, I... That is so funny. <laughs> like, if you just met someone, and you're like, come live in my barn, and he's like, cool, let's do this. Okay, I can dig it. Right, you know, yeah, <laughs> and, and that really set the tone, you know? Yeah. I set the tone. I think maybe that's why I was the right guy for the job at that point. I was right. the only guy that was crazy enough to do it, maybe. Uh, but it, it really resonated to me because the barn was an upgrade from my hut in Africa. Right. And, and I was in such the, I was in such a wonderful, and I was in a very, very positive place. And, and, and Spartan, it felt so organic to me. The whole lifestyle change, the whole culture shift we were doing, where I was this really strung out Ironman triathlete mm -hmm. who was just super, just not cool, right? You're just kind of uptight and really everything's got to be perfect and you're kind of prissy to, to, <laughs> to like, let's just go stomp through the mud and carry a rock up a mountain. And it was so foreign at the time. And, and I think now seven years into Spartan Race, we've made that, that kind of rugged, primitive lifestyle maybe a little bit more accessible and popular. But back in 2010, getting your feet muddy was still kind of taboo. Right, right. So how old were you seven years ago when this kind of started? Like 28. Okay. okay. 28, yeah. So and, you're and still a baby. I, I don't know. It doesn't, you know, doesn't always feel like it. I'm 30. I'm 35 going in. I'm going to be 36 this year. Wow. Um, you've done a lot in your 36 years. Uh, you know, just, try, just trying to stay stay busy and stay stay focused on on, on like a greater – greater kind of mission and for me Spartan Race was the greatest art project I ever could have kind of fallen into and it was where sport met culture met philosophy met attitude and and I was informally being in my early 20s while I was doing 
triathlon, I, I was a musician and, and kind of the idea of, of counterculture or, or, uh, you know, changing the narrative from, from not being the pop band, but being the punk band and Spartan to me very much exemplified uh, a cultural shift that I think maybe we've seen a little bit, uh, rise, uh, in popularity. Yeah. So I know like from a triathlete side of things, when you tell someone, Hey, I do triathlon, they're like, Oh, that race in Hawaii. You know, there's this misconception of, of all the types of triathlons there are from super beginners, super sprints all the way to, you know, double, double Ironmans and more. So let's talk a little bit about Spartan and how it's accessible to literally everyone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when we, when we started, uh, we, we, you know, we wanted to define ourselves as a really tough brand. And unfortunately that intimidated a lot of people. Uh, and they don't always know that we have a catalog of products, you know, of events that, that can go to all levels. And we just did the, the stadium sprint in Fenway park here in Boston, I'm located in Boston. And that is a little less than three mile race that runs through Fenway uh, Park and Field, and there's really no mud, and and it's really available to anybody who's just looking to get off the couch and get to get physical. Now, if you're an elite athlete, we just expect you to do it in 19 minutes, <laughs> uh, you know, and and it'll it'll be very tough to do that, right? And so, wow, that is a three mile race plus obstacles, and you want it in 19 minutes. I, I believe that that was a little exaggerated. I believe okay. the time was, it was 20, 20 and oh, change. Well, it was okay. 20 and change. And that's so much better. <laughs> right? No, the, and our elite athletes uh, move, they're, 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 they're Olympic caliber now. Uh, but, but so that, but that event, if you, if you got your friends and you got two hours, like you can finish that race and, it, and it'll, the confidence change that it'll give you because, uh, you know, we we are all really intimidated by things until we're kind of confronted with them, and then when you survive it, you've just reshaped your your perspective a little bit. Like that wall was really bigger in your head than it was in life. Right. Is is what we continually see as a company, and 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 personally, and and that's what happens with once you do the sprint, you know, then you kind of go, okay, I I did that, I didn't die, I actually had mm -hmm. fun. And, and then we offer we offer races that are the next distance is about eight miles, eight to nine miles. We call that a super. That's got like 35, 40 obstacles. And, and then we have after that a 13 mile race called a beast. Uh, that's typically in the mountains. Um, <laughs> and, a small little detail. It's just in the, the mountains. Yeah. But you know. Some people start there, some people finish there. Uh, and then we actually have our, our, our longest distance is called the Ultra Beast, which is, is around 26 to, to 30 miles uh, wow. in, in the mountains. And so that's not as popular. That's not as popular. It only takes a special brand to do that one. Okay, let's talk about these obstacles. We keep saying obstacles. What are these obstacles? Right. Um, so what Spartan is trying to do very often is, is to make sure that you are physically adept in, in, in all ranges of fitness, you know. So that involves, say, your ability, your upper body and your ability to hang. 
So there'll be monkey bars or rings, uh, various kind of rigs that you need to, to traverse by using your upper body and grip strength would be uh, a genre of obstacles. <laughs> grip strength, got it. Grip strength. Um, and then we, you know, you need to be able to push and pull stuff. So flipping a tire would be an example, a big, big tractor trailer tire or pulling a sled uh, that oh, you have man. to drag. Um, I don't care- mind pulling the sled, but I hate pushing the sled. Do you have to push the sled? Um, you have to drag it and then push it back. So oh, man. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, carrying carrying a log up and down uh, a portion of the course up a steep hill um, would be an example. There's there's this. so strength. It would be uh, pushing, pulling strength and and then the other another genre would be uh you know uh your ability your maneuverability your agility your mobility getting you have to crawl under barbed wire you might there might be some balance involved on on little tree stumps that you have to hop or um things that 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 kind of make you be a little more nimble uh and agile would be another genre and then then there's always climbing Right, you got to climb over stuff in life. You got to climb over a cargo net or climb a rope. Um, yeah. So how do you? What if you can't climb a rope? I don't think I can just climb a rope. Okay. Well, we've we've uh, we've got everyone covered because if if for some reason you fail an obstacle, and I fail them all the time because sometimes if you've been out there for a long time and we put a a, a, a rope obstacle or a monkey bar obstacle. And you're you're really tired. You just you fail, um, <laughs> right? Like you know. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> Want to make people you know there's there's a test, and sometimes we don't pass. But the penalty is thirty burpees. If oh, you, have if mercy! You if you know how that's where you kind of go down to your chest to the ground yeah. and jump. If you do thirty of those, you can uh, you get past the obstacle if you failed it. So. As long as you can do your 30 burpees, you can go through our race. You just, you know, hopefully you don't have to do too many. I love it. This sounds awesome. It, it, it's, it's a whole, it's, you know, a lot of, you know, people, they, they do it and they're, they're, they don't really get it. They don't really understand what it means to have, live a Spartan lifestyle or what our brand is about. They just kind of see this, this, this event that, doesn't always make a lot of sense, but when, when you go into it and, and you, you experience it, 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 when you look into the context of this kind of more uh, I can do anything attitude, when you, when, you, when you surmount things that previously you thought you couldn't do, there's a shift, you know, there's a shift in how you want to go about everything in your day. And that's what our fans and our, and our brand is all about. Well, it's really cool because I started doing strength training pretty much on a regular basis a couple of years ago and doing a lot of agility work and jumps and sled pulling and pushing and burpees. And, you know, you look, you stand on the outside of that and think, oh, that doesn't look that bad until you get in the trenches <laughs> and start doing it. And it is so difficult. And I, you know, I love how strong you get and how fast and the results. And it's just incredible how when you work that sort of part of your training you you do feel like a spartan and i think it would be really cool to do one of these events 
hadn't you really know, thought I, about it, but I, you, you, I, I hope I hope we'll get you out because if you, it sounds like what, what what you said. You know, if you have some some experience and you've pushed yourself and you, and you've exercised you know that that change that you, you realize that it's it's not rocket science right like you just kind of you kind of put a little bit of effort in and and what's wonderful about fitness is that the change will always happen it doesn't really rely on circumstances or people like if you put the work in the body responds and 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 that's like it's kind of refreshing sometimes the way the way the world works where you don't always know what's going to happen but it, it it gets demystified by doing it and, and getting that mystery and uh, dispersed by rolling up your sleeves and doing 30 push-ups a day. Well, well, and you do that for a couple of days, you will notice a change. And, yeah. and, and that should lead you to, to getting to the point where you feel more confident to, to start a race. And you start at a stadium sprint, and before you know it, it's see it all the time. Within a year or two, you're at that beast or that ultra beast. Uh, the transformations are pretty incredible. And it, it really is just all about taking one step. I mean, a couple of years ago, I couldn't do one real push-up, And that that embarrassed me. Like, it just frustrated me because I was like, I'm an Ironman and I can't do a push-up, you know? And I used to be a weightlifter and I can't do a push-up. And so I just started with one and, you know, then I did two. And, and I mean, I can do 24 now. And that's pretty good for a girl who's, you know, 190 pounds. <laughs> but, you know, I want to do more and I want to get stronger. But one of the frustrating things about this whole strength game is you have to keep working at it. It goes away very fast. <laughs> you, you know, I, I want for me, with Spartan, I was so humbled because I here I was. I was an Ironman, uh, competed at, a, at an elite age group level. And I was very, I was fast, you know, but I had no strength. I had really no coordination. I just ran in a straight line. I right. could bike in a straight line and I could swim in a straight line at a very calculated one speed that I knew I could maintain. And that was the game. And when I hung out with Joe DeSena, the, the owner of Spartan Race, and we started training, I just was like so weak. You know, here I was, I had this perception of myself, but like I couldn't help my friends move a couch. You know? <laughs> I, 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 right? Well, you're I, back I, out, and then you're out you, for a season. Right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, mess up my my whole game. And 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 for me, the fitness changed, and what Spartan is about, it's about becoming this holistic, physical animal again. That that when when something unknown is in front of you, you have the confidence to kind of approach it from a very generalized strength conditioning. You know, it's not hyper specific. Uh, and, and that, that's been the biggest thing I've had to work on myself coming from a, a, a different background. Strength training was, was the most interesting and the most challenging. Right. Uh, one thing that was really interesting you talked about on one of your Facebook lives recently was, and it hit me like right between the eyes. And you said something like, make sure that you're doing your goal setting and, and not someone else's goal setting. You know, you're not striving for someone else's ideal, um, of what you should be doing or what everyone should be doing. Can you talk about that a little bit? Cause I thought it was really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, something that, that hit me, it hit me between the eyes this year was like, I kind of want to have fun. Right. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, that was an epiphany. And, I and why is that? <laughs> why is, I mean, kids have it. They figured it out. Why do we, why do we have to figure it out? 
Yeah, right, right. It was, it was, I was so hard on myself for so long. Uh, you know, it started with how do I get a qualifying spot for Kona, right? You know, and then that was the end all. And, and what I had to do was I really had to change my whole body type and my whole style of my natural dispositions. I, I'm a, I'm a broad guy from New Jersey, you know, I have shoulders and arms. And when I was triathlete, I, I just kind of did everything I could to get rid of those because they right. didn't serve my purpose. And, and the, and the thing was, you know what, maybe I'm just not genetically made to be the elite triathlete, right? And, but maybe that's not even what I want. I just started asking myself those questions, you know, and then even with Spartan, like, uh, the different, you know, different race, different race distances have different types of athletes that win it. And, and I honestly was like, well, which one am I? And then I, what I said to myself this year was like, wait, wait, at the end of the day, I just want to, I want to feel great about what works for me and, and to not fall into someone else's narrative or to, to, to say I have to be on the podium. So, so for me this year, I want to, I want to, finish my first 100 mile run. I want to do a 100 miler. Uh, I've done double Ironman before where I had to run 50 after a whole bunch of other stuff, but I've never run a hundred miles. And, and, but I don't want to become, you know, like the gazelle running through the woods. I'm a bigger, stronger guy now. Yeah. And, and, and so, but I'm okay with that. I just was like, I don't need to be on the podium. And for me, I want to be, I want to finish with one minute to spare <laughs> and I want to. I want to feel healthy and good, and be able to, you know, pick up a rock and march up a mountain and be myself. Yeah. And myself isn't necessarily the fastest guy anymore, but no one other than me was really counting on me to be someone other than me, right? right. Yeah. And that was really that's really in your head. And I, I encourage people to to kind of see it all the way through when they get an idea of what is winning or what they want. Make sure that if if you get there, it's who you want to be because you could spend a lot of time chasing a dream that might not make you happy. Right. I mean, when I started triathlon, like I admittedly, admittedly sucked and continued to suck. And then I went through this phase a couple of years ago where I was like, well, I don't want to do this unless I can get faster and be fast. But I'm, I'm like you, I'm not from New Jersey, I'm from Georgia, but I'm built like a Mack truck and I'm a former Olympic weightlifter. And so for me to become a really great gazelle endurance athlete <laughs> is really like against nature, you know? And so I, you know, hired this coach. She's a professional triathlete and she ran me, ran me. I got fast, fast, fast in 12 weeks, right into a stress fracture um, and right just... into a, sol a shoulder injury. And I was like, well, there you go. Like I saw my potential and it fell down. <laughs> like, it, you know, but I kind of went through that same thing this past year. I thought, well, maybe I'll just quit triathlon altogether because I suck at it. And um, then I realized, like, it makes me happy and I should be proud that I can do it at all, <laughs> you know. And I'm, I did kind of the same thing you did. I'm like, I'm going to define what I want and that's going to be I will be successful on my terms. And like, for example, I'm doing a marathon in two weeks and my goal is to execute my run walk plan perfectly. And it doesn't matter what speed that is, but it's because I tend to kind of break down mentally after a certain distance on a run. And I just go, well, screw it. I'm walking, <laughs> you know? Right. Right. It's like 16 miles is good. I'll just walk the remaining 10. Cause I don't know. I want to eat cookies or something. So for me, like this marathon will be a success 
based on my own terms, which is like no one would know what that even is, you know, and it feels good. That's like the right thing. You know, what what set me off right before that Facebook post where I talked about it was uh, a woman just set the marathon record in high heels, right? She had three inch stilettos and she ran it. She ran it in under four hours, whatever. The world record was just set <laughs> for a woman running a marathon in high heels. And I, I watched like what I called the, you know, the, the elitist uh, endurance athlete peanut gallery really chime in with how stupid that is because she's going to injure something. You know, like rightfully so. It's nothing healthy about that. Right. Nothing, no. But if that, that's her game. That's like, like that's her game. And that's what makes her tick. And ultimately, all of our challenges are a little bit arbitrary. Somebody said, "Yes, they're 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 all a very it's a very contrived experience that we are doing in these sports. The whole thing is right. Um, so if if there's a way that that is your way is your style, you want to do it in the feather boa, like that makes you <laughs> that makes you fully express yourself and go home at night feeling great." I, I love that, and I and I was never that person before. I, yeah. I I felt like I belonged to the camp of, well, this is the rules, and we're going to become great, and we're going to tell you how to do it. But but I started kind of hanging out a little bit later in the day at, at at our races, the open heats, the teams, and and there's a whole world of of self expression through racing outside the confines of getting on a podium. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and it's so funny because. Anyone outside of any sport, like on the outside looking in, thinks the person in that sport's crazy. And the example I always go back to is when I used to do Olympic weightlifting, frequently the events were held in like hotels and they would rent out the ballroom and the the weightlifting would take place in there. And so you just have these hotel guests walking by and seeing these (laughs) people in spandex lifting weights and grunting and they would just look at you like these are the stupidest people I've ever seen. And and it's so funny when we're in these sports and you're taking yourself so stinking seriously, <laughs> you know, half more than 90% of the world thinks you're an idiot. <laughs> so uh, you should do what makes you happy. <laughs> uh, uh, right. Right. Absolutely. Uh, the, the same thing happens when you start doing kind of fringe endurance events that are yeah. very long and there's like eight people racing in a park. <laughs> ain't, ain't no one in that park came to see you they're trying right. to enjoy their day and you're you're coming through after you know and, and you you look like a hot mess and, and and it also helps too with with like your attitude the 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 seriousness it's helped me recently to kind of look at the theater of the absurd and, and take it a lot more lighthearted so that when something goes wrong you know you get to your your aid station and they don't have your favorite color of, of power aid <laughs> and and the race description did, was very clear that there would be right. great and you you did great for all your training and oh you made goodness. sure you had you know the right ounces every hour and then suddenly it's different the old triathlete me would be like would have a meltdown and be screaming at some poor volunteer Whereas the Spartan in me is just like, yo, there's, there's fluids here. Like, thank God. <laughs> That's really awesome. You're like, yo, I'm going to suck the liquid out of this tree branch. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Spartan. <laughs> and, and, and just, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's, it's a little bit more lighthearted. And I'm out here running around the woods, like in this kind of weird uh, circumstance that most people looking at me think I'm crazy. Just kind of having that awareness 
really de-escalates uh, the crisis, the very self-produced crisis. Uh, and I, I think, and I think in sport, and you probably saw this in, in the lifting and everything. You know, people who burn out a hundred percent because of their own spinning wheels in their head, because they've made things much bigger than it actually was. The pressure, yeah. you know, suddenly they 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 because they went onto social media and started setting these goals and talking to a few people, there's this kind of accountability that builds up that I've seen break people. Like yeah. the pressure, but chill. Like you just, you pick the weekend activity six months from now, like, and, and you're going to do your best and it's going to be great. Um, you know, that, that takes a little bit of, that comes with time. I think, I think that comes with experience and perspective. Well, and I think also, you know, you were a top level triathlete. I was, I was a higher level weightlifter. And I think when you've been to that crazy type level, you can, it's easier to kind of come down from it. Maybe I, I don't know if it's easier or when you do come down, like when you go to the hut in Africa, you're like, man, this is so much better than being the crazy person. I don't, you know, and I think it's different from people that come to triathlon, like in their, or any sport, like in their forties and they're, they happen to be good and they get super competitive. I just think it's like a different breed. I mean, do you know what I'm trying to say? You know, yeah, and and you know what you said the the come down I think is important because people that come to it you got to be prepared for that disillusionment that comes after your first big event, right? Because so when I went to Kona, eighteen months of my life were devoted to that goal, and when I crossed the finish line, like I didn't ascend into heaven, like like it just like <laughs> you know I crossed the finish you line. Got a banana. I got a banana. <laughs> And then I had a flight back to Newark in a day, you know, and and that plane landed and it was this moment of like, well, now what? Right. Right. Because you didn't really plan for that. You didn't plan for the flight back to Newark and Mm -hmm. then reality taken. And and, um, after you do that a couple of times and wrestle with that, that kind of come down, it just gives you perspective. And a lot of athletes get, they call it the post-race blues, you know, and, and, but being aware of that, uh, as you get seasoned, as you get a little more seasoned, you, you kind of, uh, you know, some people call it disillusioned or whatever. I just think it's wise. You know, you're just chill. You're just able to look at the bigger picture. Yeah. One of the things I like that you said in one of your Facebook lives is that life is about the 364 or five days outside of the race. And that's so important. Like, that's why you race is to live your life. And to have it bring out the best. Right. You know, it's, and it's funny because you say that, I saying these things on my Facebook Live, it's, it's, it's like how they come out very, they come out, when I say it, when I said that, it made so much sense and it was so intuitive. You would never believe that I didn't think that way, you know, a couple <laughs> years ago. And I'm like, why wasn't I thinking that way? And it's kind of new and it's actually as a, as speaking and talking to people and as an advocate for 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 sport and activities it's helped me refine my voice a little bit and and to really encourage people to to look at the bigger picture of what's what's going on because because first off it's so overwhelming if you get involved in a sport like this particularly later in life I, I had no real athletic skills so it, it's a big it's a big uh it's a big thing to chew, right? To get it to get it down that you're going to get these competencies and you're going to be good at it and you're going to practice. Uh, it's very easy to fall into only seeing that race day. 
But but what you forget is like after you do a couple seasons, you want to look at your bigger life and you're like, wow, you know, I, I can eat responsibly and I can stay active and when I put my mind to something, uh, I can focus. I, I'm really becoming a better person those 364 days training for this race. And right. I'm living, I'm stamping out a good good life every day that race starts to become irrelevant. Like if the race got canceled, you should be able to get up that morning and run the distance on your own. Just because some official didn't set out the cones for you and time mm-hmm. you doesn't mean you can't express yourself that way. You just I go think, to the park with eight of your other friends, like you said earlier. <laughs> you know, I, I, um, I, I, a really cool experience for me that I did uh, earlier is like when I was <laughs> – Friday nights can be a really lonely night if you have nothing to do. So I would just go go run really far Friday nights in my twenties. If I didn't, if no, if no dates panned out or anything like that, and I just like to be alone. Friday night sunsets, I'd go running. I'd come back at like two in the morning. I just run all night. Really? Um, I really did. I just really enjoyed. After a week of work, I was like, it's eight. I don't want to talk to anybody, so I I just run, get a headlight, and I'd run around town for miles and miles. And I ran my first marathon unofficial just because I was out all that night running. I was like, I'm just going to run the marathon tonight. And like when you run a marathon and there's no one clapping at the finish line, that's a trip. (laughs) You know, you're like, I just, and and this was before Facebook. I couldn't tell everybody. I couldn't. (laughs) Well, then why did you do it? (laughs) Why did I do it? And that's the question of the, if you can't tell everybody about it, was it worth doing? People always post, I didn't wear my Fitbit out of the house. I refused to get out of my office chair because it's not getting tracked. That's, that's, that's not what it, that's a bad attitude. And, and the minute, the bad minute, athlete. <laughs> those are good tools, but, but you want to be able to, to say at the end of the day that I'm living in such a way that without the polite applause and medal at the end, that yeah. it's all worth it. It's such a mess, this whole social media thing. I mean, like, for example, I did 17 miles on the treadmill this morning, and I got aggravated that the treadmill reset itself because (gasps) anyone that walked by and it said two miles when I was really on 15, like, you know, they really needed to know that. (laughs) And it's just like, oh, my gosh, like, why would I even think that? That is the dumbest thing ever. You're not alone. (laughs) You're not alone. We're all we're all out there trying to a uh, so million times a million. That's the perfect example. I've been there. I've had it reset, and and the, like I said, it's a great it's great if done with a light heart and like you're not banking on it. People people will feel really really bad, and I think it's partly chemical, right? You get an endorphin hit when someone likes your status, right? Yeah. You're counting on it. And so if you were running 20 miles with your Fitbit and you really wanted to show that off and you're, you're primed for that hit and then it malfunctions, <laughs> that ruins your day. And that's really unfortunate because cause that run should not feel any less than it was beforehand. Right. And, and that, that's, a, just, that's, just, that's a product of the times, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, and I think it's also, it speaks a lot to kind of our position and our lack of gratitude in a lot of ways. I mean, I interviewed Diane Barbarian, who's, she's a blind uh, athlete. She's done triathlons since losing her sight, and she was talking about how, and she's she's got macular degeneration, so she can kind of see shadows and, and that kind of thing. So she can, she can run, but she just really can't see what's 
in front of her very well. So she'll end up going on a run and she doesn't really know how far she's gone. And then she'll get back and upload her data. And it's like, oh, I did 20 miles. And I thought that was just such a neat perspective because she's just so thrilled to be able to move her body despite what's happened and, and losing her sight that she, you know, she's just got a different perspective than some of us who have all these, you know, faculties about us. And I just thought that was really fascinating that she just goes and runs. And then I, it's like, surprise, Garvin said you did 20. <laughs> I, I, I think I, 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 the first time I went running without a watch or a GPS after having had one for a long time, it was an alien experience. And and I lived in Vermont for six years, and I would always had a lot of trails, and I'd always go out once a week without any kind of watch or clock. And then, it's your behavior is a man in the woods who <laughs> happens to be moving fast. Yeah, is, is that's what we have to give everything a narrative. I am going on a 10k run at this pace with my heart rate in this zone, and that's a socially acceptable behavior. Because you kind of like you're telling everybody that the reason for me to go running in the woods is because I have this race and I have to like. But when you drop all that and you just say, "Yo, I'm a man. I'm an animal. I'm a biological organism who is going to inhabit the woods and move around a lot. <laughs> I just I'm gonna run too, but I don't know where. I'm just running in the woods and moving, and it feels good. Yeah, people think you're crazy. Like, they, <laughs> but, I love it. But, but that's a great behavior. I encourage people to leave all their watches at home, throw out all their race plans, and then go somewhere and move around a lot, and then come home when they're done. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about how someone does that in the woods when they're so clumsy. I mean, you did say something that I wanted to stop you and go, ah, come on, because you said that you didn't have any like athletic ability or something. Like, Let's qualify that a little bit because you obviously were a t very talented triathlete. But when you say that, are you talking about just kind of functional strength, like cli you know, climbing a tree type stuff? I, I, okay, let's just say I got hit in the face with a lot of baseballs and basketball. <laughs> <laughs> so when it came to group sports that like baseball or basketball, uh, Football, I kind of did all right as a kid because you didn't. Once they handed you the ball, you were just supposed to run fast, and I could kind of handle that. I couldn't catch the ball in my life, though. So. Uh, I lack, I lack coordination, and I fall over a lot. You know, I'm like I, I trip over my own feet if I have to do more than one thing at a time. So, so when it came to baseball, I was, I was awful. Just cut from the team. You know, basketball cut from the team um, because I lacked. A coordination. I, I my whole life, I constantly hit my head on things because I have no awareness of where my body is. <laughs> um, I'm that guy, and like I'm finally owning it. And I was able to own that a little more because because linear race sports, if you can just kind of stay in a straight line for a long time, you don't need to do anything. Like right. running was great, and no hurdles because I would just I would couldn't do a hurdle if my life depended on it. Uh, so that that's where I'm coming from is I, I lack tr traditional skills associated with athleticism, but I, I've got a great lung capacity. You know, I, I, I can suffer really hard for a long time and that gave me abilities in the endurance world. But yeah. when it came to speed, uh, I never really had much, much, uh, natural ability there. I had to train really hard okay. to be a little bit competitive 
in in anything under Ironman distance. And I, I had the most fun in my life when I got to ultra distance because then that's where I excelled. And so in that limited capacity of athleticism as in I can keep moving and not stop, I have some, uh, I, would, I, I think I'm okay. I do all right. Well, I think one of the things that's so amazing about training your whole body and, and learning to be a little bit more agile is um, like just how when, because I'm, I'm like you, I, I just have no self-awareness of my space in the world and I just run into things and trip on whatever. I mean, I bump into my countertop like it's like someone put it there every day. You know what I mean? It's like it's, it doesn't move, but every morning I run into it. Um, but when I started doing a lot of, you know, jumping and lateral work, where I used to kind of roll my ankle off the curb and it would break or my foot, you know, I catch myself. It's really amazing how quickly your body learns to adapt and and you can protect yourself actually from these injuries that you, you know, would have laid you out earlier. <laughs> no, no. And for me, it was trail running, uh, you know, because it's, it's, it's always, it's always different and you have to be aware. Right. Yeah. And, and then eventually, you know, I even did, I try to get off the trails and just run through the woods, you know, just, and have to slow down or climb over stuff and, you know, get that has made it so that when I fall now, you know, it's even graceful when you trip and fall, you kind mm-hmm. of like you, you learn through trial and error. I, I actually hung out with a, um, uh, parkour, uh, rollerblade again, rollerblader professional that had come up and hang out with me. And I put on a helmet and just went running down the steepest hills I could find. And he told me how to fall. Oh, really? <laughs> you know, I, I just, I spent the afternoon tripping and falling down a hill. And, uh, uh, because the, that that that's actually gonna make your career a lot longer if you if you don't break if you learn how to bend and and for me it was getting in the woods that helped me get the foundation to then start strength training and and being more agile the confidence because if you can go through the woods you're kind of doing all the basic components of fitness as you climb over that tree as you climb over that rock you know and then if you want to get for me the next step was was going through the woods with no weight and then doing it with a sandbag, a 20-pound sandbag. Uh, if you can go for a couple-mile walk through the woods with no trail carrying a 20-pound sandbag, I feel like that gives you basic foundational coordination strength, and that, that changed the game a little bit for me. That's awesome. So let's talk a little bit about your physique change. You said that you were a broad-shouldered guy from Jersey, and then you were – fighting that when you were a triathlete and you're definitely back to broad shouldered <laughs> I checked your stuff out. So like, what was that transformation like as far as, you know, fighting your body and then rolling with it and now building upon it? You know, as yeah, it, it, it was, it was a change. It was a change of, of reference where, where a, I had to let go of some things, you know, I had to let go of, of running at a certain speed, you know, like giving up that goal. And, and that was a loss. But then when my friends asked me to move a couch, <laughs> I could help my friends move a couch now, right? I'm 185 pounds right now. And I raced Kona at about 148. Wow. Um, and kind of life, you know, like it's, uh, this 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 new version of me is it's 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 
it's a lot more fun because I feel more functional. I can pick up stuff. Uh, I also can do, it's also, I like, I'm enjoying the training involved because I'm, I was used to having to block off six hours for a bike workout all the time. Right. right. And what if I got to take all that energy and all that aggression and all that attitude and put it into a 45 minute weight section? I have like the rest of the day still, and I can kind of get that kind of train. And that was new to me, right? Yeah. So, so I acquired a new fun kind of training um, that that I wasn't experienced with, and and it it also it it also I feel a little bit I feel a little bit better about uh, my overall capabilities three sixty four versus that one day the one hundred and forty eight pound guy could run really fast one day a year in an iron. Yeah. But he couldn't, you know, like, like right now I feel like, you know, there's a certain part of like, but when I see somebody at a Spartan race, pick up a 30 pound, uh, tree stump and then carry it over a a hill, you know, I, I kind of see like, well, there's a person that if they were in California and the fires were coming, they could grab their kid and run, to safety, right? Wow, like, yeah. You know, like, like right now, I I want to be this the 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 guy that if he was lost in Alaska could run a hundred miles out of the wilderness and beat the deer to death that I like came across uh, along the way. You know, there's a certain kind of three sixty four functionalness about it that I never experienced before, and that to me that's because I probably will never be in that situation. It's purely aesthetic. <laughs> Right? I don't know, man. You just go <laughs> running in the woods. You might. You never know. <laughs> you, you, you never know, right? And, and I spent the last year out in Montana, um, and I that was like the woods. That was that was really far out there. And in those moments where where I was pretty far off the grid, you know, and and I always felt confident, like I'm to the best of my abilities, I'm prepared. And being a little bit bigger, I'm a little slower. So maybe I can't outrun somebody if I needed to outrun somebody, but I could definitely uh, motor, have endurance, and if I needed to, you know. Plus, I like man, I'm a, I'm a. When it comes to like things like yard work and stuff, I feel like a machine now. Whereas like the, the triathlete me would have been like, no, it's not gonna, you know, I only have so many. Let me get my Garmin before. Let I me get my Garmin, Garmin and like <laughs> now I can move a pile of wood before breakfast and and feel great about it. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's I, I heard, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I said that's the shift in terms of that's what I gained because I lost I lost some speed, but I gained I gained a sense of well being. I remember when I was not working out or doing anything, but drinking like it was my job and eating like it was my job. I would watch movies, and you know, I, we always joke about Tom Cruise being like the professional runner because, like, in every movie, he's just like got the best escape run. Um, but I remember thinking, you know, in a real life scenario, there's no way that I could, you know, carry my kids and run or run to anything, or just there was just this fear that I you know, in a situation, like, wouldn't be able to do anything, you know, wouldn't have any ability to escape, to help anyone, and and that kind of thing. So what kind of changes have you seen, I guess, and especially women, with this type of movement and strength? Because I know, you know, not to stereotype, but a lot of women haven't found that 
strength and that empowerment that comes from lifting heavy things. And, you know, anyone that I run into, I'm like, go lift something. It feels great. Um, but what have you seen, like, as far as women and, and transformation from doing Spartan? Um, you know, when it, when, when it comes to, to, to women, we've had, first off, I've, I've had the, the pleasure of working with uh, uh, a woman that uh, named Andy Hardy, who does our workout tour stuff. And, and I, when I started writing uh, some of the content, she came across it years ago and, you know, she lost 40 pounds, ended up getting on the podium, and now she teaches our workout tour to, to thousands of people every year. And, and you know, she, she's very much an example of somebody who, who just changed, changed her entire life. She, was, she felt like she, didn't, she wasn't happy in her career. She wanted a new change, and she just made it happen. Um, and she talks about a lot about the confidence shifts that came with 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 changing your body and doing that and she's just one example of of, of a woman uh that i think of because because we see them all the time in the transformational stories and it's not just losing weight right. right it's also like you said it's the it's the confidence that comes with with strength you know i think self-reliance is is one of the greatest virtues of, of an individual not just for like the sake of vanity but for the sake of it, it makes you uh, a more confident person uh, because you just you just you're just more secure and women historically you know like you know that they were always kind of seen as not as needing somebody else right, right. to to, right. to to do the heavy lifting right and that's one of the things like, my dad told me when I was so young probably too young <laughs> to tell me this but he was like you know you don't ever want to depend on on a man or anyone to get you through life, you got to be self-sufficient. And so I've always been very self-sufficient and I really feel like strength training and being strong is part of who I am and who I, I need to be in order to be happy. But like this morning I got in my car and all four tires were low because we've had the cold snap. And so I text my husband and I'm like, can you pump my tires tonight? I'm a helpless woman who needs your help. And so he just sends me back like all the laughy faces because he knows I'm full of crap because I don't really feel that way. But, you know, I think it's it's so important for women to just find our strength. And, you know, and a lot of us find our speed and we get on the elliptical and plow forward for hours. But I think Spartan's really awesome in that regard because it's, you know, where the weight room may be sort of intimidating, kind of taking this challenge on, like, how would you, how do you train for it? Do you guys have training plans and kind of ideas on, on how people can jump in and kind of train for it? Yeah. Yeah. So, so we, we offer a, a, a newsletter. It's called the workout of the day. It's the Spartan training where we, we post workouts on our, our website, life.spartan.com. Um, and it's based around body weight exercise. Sizes. When we need to do strength training, we use a sandbag. Okay. Um, you know, you can buy a fancy sandbag, or you could put a bunch of lentils in a pillowcase. I don't care, right? <laughs> like, uh, but you know, but we, you know, we encourage you. you could, I think, I think personally, you can be so race ready and a machine if you have up to 50, 60 pound sandbag in your in your toolkit. You know, mm -hmm. a ten, a thirty, a fifty, sixty, and. And there's some basic body weight exercises that you can combine with that sandbag. Uh, you can take that 
make that sandbag your friend. Take it on long walks. <laughs> you know, there's 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 nothing better than that than having a long walk with your sandbag. <laughs> and it's like Wilson from Castaway. Do you name mm-hmm. your sandbags? You, it's been done. I've had I've had I had Leonard for a little bit. Leonard. It was a rock. It was a rock. Um, oh gosh. You know, and, and like. You know that that that's 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 as far as you you need to take it in terms of the obstacle, the strength conditioning we need is you need to be able to transport your body right. So to be a great Spartan, you don't need to be uh, able to move four hundred pounds. You need to be able to move your own body weight, mm-hmm. and you need to be able to move say like a like a thirty pound sandbag or or a log or something like that. You, like I like to think of it, you have to be able to pick up your kid and run, mm-hmm. and uh, so. You know, there's there's that definite that's a new term, right? functional fitness. You yeah. know, that's that's what we're going for. Is when people ask me, like, they're like, well, how much should I be lifting? And I'm like, you know, well, how much do you weigh? <laughs> you need to be you need to be able to move through three dimensional space, right? And and control your body at all times. And until you master that, you don't need to worry about using more weight. Right. And that is hard to master. That is no joke. Yeah. So. And I think for women, women that, that the kind of confidence that comes from from mastery of yourself and your surroundings changes your attitude. Yeah. You know, and I think that's where women can 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 really assert themselves. And I, I had I, I didn't know it was a thing, but like someone, a woman friend of mine just hit me up. She she ran uh, the Fenway race and she did it a couple times, and each time she did it a different way. And the one where she's like, oh yeah, and then the third time I did it that day. I did all the men's obstacles and I just thought that was such a great idea yeah. because the sandbag's a little heavier. Uh, the herc hoist is a little heavier. We do separate them for, for the sexes, but she went through that course knowing that she could do it like any man. And mm-hmm. that's a great way to go about it. Yeah. My ego would make me do that too, even though I'd probably die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it's, it. I love it, Jason. So I've got one more question for you. Um, this podcast is called The Same 24 Hours, and it means that we all have the same 24 hours in our day, but it's just what we do with those 24 hours that makes us the best versions of ourselves. So what is something that you do on a daily basis that makes the most out of your 24 hours? Um, well, so if, I have, if I have a practice, it would be journaling in the morning where I just, I just start kind of riffing. Mm-hmm. And that, that helps me, that helps me just get my bearings, right? You know, it's, it's not even so much about archiving anything for the past, but it's always great to go back and read it. But I'll, I'll sit down and I'll be like, you know, I'll start to kind of come down to, and, and journaling to me is always about priorities. And that's how you get the most out of your day is really identifying the singular thing that needs to happen. Like like the the bigger picture, and so that when you expend energy and expend time towards an end, it's the end that makes the most difference for where you want to be. Um, so so I journal in the morning to really get in touch with what direction am I heading in, um, what what needs to happen today for today to be a success, and and very often. That is not what I thought it was. I woke up in a panic of all these to-dos. Yeah. And then in the journaling process, I realized that those to-dos 
were to-dos towards things that maybe weren't the real important thing that needed to be done that day. And I, I never really kind of wake up knowing what, the, what, what needs to be done. I kind of have to work it out. Yeah. So that's, that's what I would say. It's a, it's, a, it's a practice. The Stoics, you know, used to journal a lot, Marcus Aurelius. And, like, you read his meditations, and he's like, here's, here's a guy who's the emperor of the world pretty much at that point, the Roman Empire. And he's just kind of musing about, like, really abstract, like, where should I be putting my time today? And what's right. really important? He had a lot of to-dos on his list. And he's spending his time kind of working out the bigger picture. Um, and I, I kind of look at it that way. I write and I make sure it's not for any audience other than me. And I, I try not to step on my, my own way of thinking. I just kind of let it happen and, and, then, and then go act in accordance with what really not needs to be done, but what am I really trying to do? Yeah. Well, I love it. I had a great time and you've got me scratching my head and thinking a little bit about one of these. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I can't wait to see you out there in 2018. I think, I think it's going to happen. So you let me know when you're ready. All right. <laughs> well, thank you, Jason. All right. Well, thank you very much. Mm-hmm.